Welcome back to the podcast. And I am Danger Dave, apparently. <laughs> and and I am still Rob, also known as Omnisai. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when I ask you to do some recordings when I'm not around. <laughs> I guess it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I gave you the reason why you're Danger Dave, and that's cool. Yeah, I, I suppose. Unfortunately, given that the, the movie that we're talking about today is slightly newer, so I don't have as much behind the scenes facts or uh what you would call like how it stands out today comparisons but i guess we could take a look at what came out last year and what its competition was and then the time frame well and the fun thing about this movie is that the book that it was based off of is is historical it was one of those books that really could use a movie made after it and when they made the movie they made it for today which was awesome for not only the people who originally would have gotten the references from the book but also the people who play games and consume the stuff today because we are going to talk about ready player one so right movie right yay right it's full of references that i probably will watch it again where i'll still find new stuff and of course obviously there are things that i was tuned into the second they mentioned it or said something from a reference i was looking for i caught on to those very quickly same here um of course you know me being a bit older than you I caught a lot of the early gaming references and things from the movie, so uh, for I was completely geeking out about the end of the movie because the fact that it all... Well, let's go into the synopsis of the thing first. And again, we're going to go over the, the swifter summary rather than the point-by-point. Point. Right, okay. right, right. So basically, the story is about a young man named Wade Woods who has a kind of a crappy life living with his Aunt Alice in a very almost it almost looks post apocalyptic where they live yeah it's a it's, if it would be trailer trailer extra trash really yeah an elevated trailer park on scaffolding it looks Which scary as heck they call the stacks the stacks it's a good name for it cuz they're all stacked um but he lives you know he's he's a normal kid by day but he lives a secondary life because one of the biggest things about this how this place is different from our our reality is they have a completely virtual reality world that everybody knows about it's world changing everybody has has ties in it although there are probably some disconnected people but called the oasis and the reason why columbus is so important is because it's where uh the creator of this started this this business and uh, it just kind of took over from there um the oasis is the name of the vr world it was created by uh, a a genius named halliday and with his company started up and now it's it's this huge thing holiday has died however and the plot of the story is that he left the inheritance of all of his interest in the oasis which is basically control of it to whoever could solve his final riddle which he seeded through the oasis and they had uncovered that the first part of it was at a race so all the people who were trying to win it kept doing this race that seemed to be completely unbeatable um, the movie is full of amazing effects, many of which, and there's tons of Easter eggs, but there's a lot of callbacks and references to pop culture, to game lore. Um, if you have been in any amount of exposure to mass media and culture for the last 30 years, you're going to find references to things that you'll recognize. Especially if it's owned by Warner Brothers. Of course. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. 
Um, but there's a there's a healthy amount of things outside of Warner Correct. Brothers. They yes. really spent a lot of oh, money yeah. getting well, the ability to. The, the real secret of that is uh, Spielberg. Probably, I mean, as Steven Spielberg, the film's director, comes in and says, "Hey, um, I, I want to do this thing," and he's got a lot of clout with studios. I'm sure some of the stuff came at a discounted price. I'm sure it did, and uh, the payoff was was tremendous. Watching it, it's it's also very seamless. But there's a very harsh dichotomy between real life and and, and inside the Oasis, where uh, Wade and all of his friends were really cool. Not to get into all the details, because I could I could do this for an hour going over all the individual details. But basically, Wade figures out because of his incredible knowledge of Halliday, which all of these gunters, the 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 Easter egg hunters, trying to find the great prize are experts on Halliday's life because he left this huge uh, media library of his life with clues to this this prize. So he figured out that for the race, he had to uh, race backwards, which nobody has ever tried before, and that led him to a secret panel that he rode backwards and won the race. And the first key, which is one of three, needed to uh, finally unlock the prize. So all of a sudden, he's a celebrity, and he's also on the list of the bad guys, uh, which is a company called 101, lol, uh, and their boss, uh, who's named Serrano. And uh, they want to, it's, it's pretty clear, they just want to control uh, the Oasis and make all the money. So uh, Percival and his friends make a stand against that by trying to win. They get the clue to the next key. Um, they also make an alliance with all of the major players. Uh, Percival has the hats for Artemis, who is... Uh, one of the aces in the Oasis. Which could be a very dangerous thing to do in a fictional reality. This is true. And that is actually referenced. The thing about this, which is neat, is that it's a little science fiction-y, but it's smart science fiction. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that makes sense. You don't have to suspend your disbelief too badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, Percival's friend H and uh, two others who are briefly referenced in the in the show are the five main characters outside of uh, Serrano and so on. So they all know each other through the Oasis, and they're all trying to get the next key, which takes them into The Shining, which was a really wonderfully reproduced uh, uh, series of scenes from The Shining. Uh, just gave me chills. Um, uh, excellent uh, effects and callbacks. Uh, they really lavished attention and detail on this movie. Um, through different shenanigans, Artemis finds the next key and unlocks the next point. This is when 101 gets really hardcore, and... Uh, they actually end up uh, killing uh, Wade's aunt and blowing up his home. But he joins the resistance along with Artemis, who's really Miss Samantha. And they go and try to stick it to uh, 101. Finally, the last uh, uh, puzzle is to beat the game Adventure from the Atari 2600. Um, the problem is 101 does all the, the legwork. They lose a lot of minions uh, trying different games before they finally find out that it's adventure. And they eventually figure out that uh, they don't have to beat it. They actually have to get the original Easter egg, the very first one that was in video games, um, which is to find an invisible dot and take it to the end of the game, which turns out that is one of the things that uh, Percival is more than capable of doing. So there's a very uh, tense series of action scenes, a massive battle in the uh, in the Oasis, which shows off the huge range of characters they had access to and effects. And then there's also a real-life chase uh, going almost simultaneously. Finally, it looks like everything is gone. The Oasis itself is destroyed. 
kind of. But then Percival ends up winning, and uh, through a series of personal character tests, um, ends up basically winning. And uh, it's up uh, yeah, the, the the resolution. He finds out uh, you know how much he had in con- common with Halliday. And they end up winning. Serrano goes to jail. And yeah, that is a very, very quick summary. Missing a lot of the dramatic points, but That's we're going to discuss okay, those. okay, because we can talk about those. Yes, and, we can. And I don't have to filter through 25 minutes of... <laughs> You're welcome, Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw this movie in the theater when it came out last year. Uh, the What appealed to me was the, the, the concept of all this stuff. Uh, the references, the, um, the all that was just coming at me. And I'm like, I want to see what they do with this. This sounds fun, fascinating. And of course, when you have a fandom towards anything, you want to go in there hoping you see your thing being represented in this. And I did pretty fairly. There were a couple things I was kind of expecting to see a, a few more references to, but I can understand the difficulties in, in bridging some gaps. Correct. Like they weren't going to be able to get, you know, Star Wars. Well, no, there was some Star Star Wars in there. But really? Yeah, um, there was. Uh, you could hear some TIE fighter noises in the one scene, and and the characters... Surra- Might have been some really yeah. oblique references, right. but I... It wasn't that they didn't want... Spielberg was kind of funny here. Now, the original book has a lot of references to Spielberg, and he toned his own references down yes. a lot because he didn't want to make it seem like he was tooting his own horn because he just you know he wanted to cut him cut them all out including the stuff he executive produced which would have been a problem but uh there was some tie fighter noises i you know i wonder if you were to look closely if you'd see him there but he's spielberg mentioned that because star wars is now a current thing too yeah he didn't want to fill in with those kind of references because it's, it's it's all Star Wars is going on now. The thing is, he could have easily done hints here and there, and yeah. he probably would have been fine, but that's that's minor well, quibbles, and quite honestly, I was so busy writing down notes when I was watching yes. it, I'm sure I missed a ton of Easter eggs and, and, and but, references. But that's the only Star Wars reference that I caught, other than the character Sorrento, played by Ben Mendelsohn, trying to barter with uh, Wade about how would you like to fly the Millennium Falcon, which Oh, you're right. Which is very subtle. You don't have to pay for that one. But what I I got a kick out of that was because Ben Mendelsohn just recently was in Star Wars. So here he is talking about a Star Wars ship in this movie when he was, you know, trying to get the Death Star to do its thing in Rogue One. Fair enough. Uh, you know, so I caught that. And, and the other thing Spielberg almost did not have in this movie, but the author said, look, I, I understand that you don't want to do this to yourself with these, you know, this movie. But you need to have the DeLorean in it. And Spielberg, you know, good thing he agreed because I don't know what other car they would have used or it would have been as exciting. But they could have used Kit from Knight Rider. Yeah. They could have there's options, but options. the DeLorean was appropriate. Right, right. So very appropriate. Especially when it needs to do some of that fly stuff. So yes. that's where it worked out. But I guess if you had to, you could have used one of those cars from Masks. Remember that show? I do remember yeah, that show, remember. but that probably would have been almost too uh just just a little too deep of a slice. Right, right. So. It was never the most popular uh, cartoon, and realistically, it really only existed to sell some toys. And true, well, this is yeah. a lot of the stuff in the '80s did, which you know, a couple very Transformers. On the other hand, they could have pulled any of the Transformers they wanted to. Yeah, uh, variations of the Ninja Turtles showed up in this. I actually, you know, I take that back. The ones that I noticed were the Michael Bay Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it is what it is. A couple Batmans. Batman's an EVZ reference because the studio doesn't have to pay for it because they own it. Yeah. Uh, I was anytime I caught the several alien references that was made in this movie and they're all spread out. They weren't all in one chunk. Uh, H in her uh, virtual world uh, had the uh, Salako model, which uh, Wade was all like, hey, this is cool. It's Salako. And that's the ship from Aliens. He, he had the, uh, there was, oh, when, um, what's her name? Artemis? Yes. She faked him out with the chestburster, mm-hmm. classic. Uh, in that disco dance scene, she pulls out one of those pulse rifles, again, from Aliens. Okay. And it sounds just like it. So they, they're using the same sound clips and everything to make it sound just like the actual one from the movie. Sure. Uh, that you know, that's what I was finding myself staring at, looking for the various horror icons in the background because that's what I do, you know. Mm-hmm. Chucky had the ultimate payoff in that one. That was a good. <laughs> that, that was really that, good. That was where where I think it was H's character brings it out and they throw it, uh-huh. and then yeah, Chucky comes out laughing and just cutting people away, and and the the line the guy gives the the one f bomb you're allowed to have in a PG thirteen movie. You know, when he's like, it's bleeping Chucky. Oh, that was great. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And it was the laugh. I'm not sure if that was Brad Dorff's laugh, but that certainly sounded like him. Yeah. And it, it, it was a... Probably out of all the horror movie icons you could have, that was perfect. Jason and Freddy were in the background, but they didn't need to be like right in your face like the Chucky one was. That that was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, so many references in this this movie. uh, Ones that probably went over my head, you know, and and me. Oh, there were. Yeah. Me being very attuned to music, uh, knowing that the, the composer of this film, Alan Silvestri, who who composed the Back to the Future themes, John Williams was not available to do this movie. Spielberg's regular guy. So he grabbed Alan. And I just kept listening for anything that remotely sounded like Back to the Future. Uh, there was one part when the car's driving backwards, there's a little bit of a, I don't know, like a, kind of like a drum beat going on with that. Okay. It sounded like something from Back to the future although that was not the actual note per se but it was very similar it sounded of that style and then when he mentioned the zemeckis cube spielberg actually said hey just put in a couple notes from back to the future and that you know and he did so when you see the zemeckis cube there's some of those uh back to the future music notes in there not from the main theme but just from the movie in general sure what references did you notice uh Oh, so many. Um, as somebody who played an Atari 2600 and played the video game adventure and loved it and oh. actually did do all of the insanity that you had to do to get that invisible dot and, and uncover the Easter egg, I did all of that. So I can appreciate how a person who, you know, okay, I got to play this game and I have to beat it. That had nothing to do with beating it, but it was one of the, you know, cool things that you could do that, you know, that was something that you'd never had in a game before. Um, so I, I, I appreciated how special that was. Um, I loved how the, the orb of awesome Max or whatever that created the force field that was going to block out the challenge for one Oh one. Um, when they activated, it was actually a 20 sided die wireframe inside of a glowing crystal ball. And I, as a role-playing gamer, I appreciate my 20 sided dice. <laughs> I thought that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, I remember when I was in, well, back in school, uh, the fact the assassins called IROC, I remember the IROC Z being a really kind of a popular sporty car. Um, so I caught that reference 
And I mean, through the entire final battle the, in, in the Oasis, there were so many things here, there, and everywhere callbacks to Halo, and you just saw a contingent of Master Chiefs running out, and um, just all these different characters from different uh, different things. It was so much, I couldn't write down my notes and watch it at the same time, and sometimes, I, you know, I'm going to have to watch this movie again just to get all of that, but um, those were things that really uh, caught me. The fact that the, the time cube that he used was a Rubik's Cube, um, you know, the, just all of these details which is why slapped it was, on. <clears throat> which is why it was called the Zemeckis Cube, again, reference to Back to the Future. Robert Zemeckis is the director of Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. Poor guy hasn't made it a good movie in years, but um, that's that's you know that was the whole point of the Zemeckis cube. Hence why Spielberg probably also asked uh, Silvestri to do the uh, Back to the Future theme music in there somewhere. That's cool. I'll have to watch those movies one of these days. Um, but yeah, those are the the major uh, callbacks that I noticed um, outside of the ones that you noticed or, or uh, different well, ones from more modern video games. Yeah, I mean references aside, though, uh, Ben Mendelsohn who played Sorrento, he he's really good as a bad guy. Yeah, he's pretty I mean, solid. He, I mean, he's not um, Mr. Anderson. Uh, oh, Hugo Weaving. Yeah, no Hugo Weaving. He's not quite Hugo Weaving. He's kind of a little bit more of a budget Hugo Weaving. But he was fine. I mean, he did the job well. Yeah. He was a believable, right. I, I, soulless corporate. There would have been just a little bit more malice in it with weaving. I think, though, you know, yeah. just that's my my take on it. He was a little bit more emotionless than I think weaving would have put into it. Mendelssohn, the first thing I ever noticed him in was The Dark Knight Rises, where he played like this, you know, the guy who's kind of in charge of Wayne Enterprises, but not really, and he was kind of a slime ball. You know, that's you know a slime ball. Oh, the chairman. There. He was, was trying to unseat uh, Bruce Wayne, Wayne and yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Um, no, not Batman Begins. This is the one with Bane. Oh, I didn't um, see that one. Got and it. so he he had a small role in that, and it was pretty slimy, very similar, let's say, mm-hmm. in terms of slime. And then Rogue One came out, and he played Krennic, where the, the character of Krennic was essentially responsible for getting the Death Star operational, and you know, and he and Tarkin kind of have these like little like situations where he's trying to get credit and Tarkin's putting him in his place and then he's, you know, things are starting to fall apart as rebels try to you know, get the plans to the Death Star and he's trying to stop him from doing that. And, and then he does this movie and it was like almost similar characters some typecasting and okay, but he was good at it. I didn't mind him in this role. And I was excited to see when he was in Captain Marvel. I was like, sweet. And without trying to spoil anything Captain Marvel, uh, what they did with his character and that was kind of refreshing and you weren't expecting it. So it was, it was kind of nice to see a, a little something different. Def- definitely another movie on my to-see list yeah. for that. Yeah. So... Uh, I love the music in this one. They they really... I don't know if they nailed a particular time period that they were shooting for, but it was all classic rock music. Yeah. It just opens up with Van Halen's Jump, mm-hmm. and then down the road, I Hate Myself for Loving You from... You know, it's just... It was really solid music choices yeah. throughout, um, which I, I gotta get the soundtrack for this, honestly. Definitely cool. 
Um, I liked the dirty futuristic look in the real world, separated out from the obvious CG, right. the Oasis. Isn't that funny how like we can accept that the, in the virtual world, not everything is going to be photorealistic. Mm-hmm. It's, it still has an animation look to it. And, and we as a movie audience accept that because he, he's going into a virtual world. So mm-hmm. therefore, it doesn't have to look realistic. Now, however, if you're doing something with something that's supposed to be realistic like Holodex from mm-hmm. Star Trek well guess what you know you better hope that it looks photorealistic otherwise you might lose and there were elements in it that did look photorealistic like when they were the in H's I was thinking H's workshop oh. that looks dirty and oh and, and, and when they uh faked out uh sorrento yeah absolutely i mean yeah i mean who knows what kind of power they had to do to do that but but uh you know it, it but for the gameplay though we as an audience you know we're able to accept the cg look to this stuff yeah absolutely and uh, when they use c they use different grades of cg too they did use more obvious grades when they were in the oasis and clearly they use cg throughout the movie mm-hmm. otherwise too but they use top-notch stuff no doubt about it um let's see what else I like how this wasn't a movie that made you have major suspension of disbelief for the characters. The characters did lived and breathed. When Percival got money, he went out and he spent money. Yeah. Just like a kid would. And what did he spend? Because he's a huge techie, he spent it on the top of the line rig. Yep. Just like you would imagine somebody like that would. Which was which was awesome. So yeah, as far as you know, making that believable, um, you know, Percival acted like a wide-eyed fanboy in a lot of places. He acted street smart as a kid growing up in that environment when it was appropriate. And when he was, you know, all goo-goo-eyed for Artemis, pretty clear that he hadn't had a lot of experience and did some things that we would recognize in the audience. We're like, are you really going to do this? Yeah. (laughs) When he basically reveals his identity, which was... Especially then and there at the circumstances going on. Everyone's watching him. Why would you do that? Why? But going back to the whole suit thing, you know... I can't imagine playing that, you know, as a like average person who can't afford that suit and you're playing it and you know that like that guy there might have that fancy suit and that person there. And I right now, all I can do is just do the visual stuff. I want to feel all the stuff. Well, they probably, I would imagine to a certain extent, they probably had like a budget version of this because the immersion was extremely important, not only to the, the users, but the, the creators. The folks behind, what was it called? Precarious Games, who... So there was probably other options that he was using. Like, there might have been, like, haptic feedback cables that he had under his clothes or uh-huh. something that would have provided very rudimentary things. Gloves, and and uh, his aunt's boyfriend was griping about the garbage gloves that he had. And, you know, the different ways that you can still manipulate. Yeah. So when he moved up to the skin suit and everything, that was probably a night and day difference. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting in that he did didn't have it, but I have a hard time mentally kind of challenging it was that in an oasis, unless the people who created it were very, very specific. And I don't know how, if it, this co- unless this company was privatized the entire way, there wasn't sponsorships everywhere. Everybody who had a particular type of skin suit would have had some logo. They would have looked like freaking race car yes. drivers with logos all over the place. And you didn't see that. It allowed them to create immersion because you had to believe the Oasis was largely privatized and didn't allow that kind of thing. Despite the fact that if there were shareholders involved, well, they would have had to 
whore out the whole thing. I believe that was the whole point of Sorrento and them trying to get all the keys to run the thing. It's because they wanted to charge for it. They probably wanted to throw all their stuff on there. Whatever microtransactions everywhere. Yeah, that 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 was their goal. Yep. So, you know, in some ways, it's really kind of, well, it's very, very uh, poignant for today and the challenges that uh, certainly gamers are having. So many games are packed with microtransactions and are come broken in an effort to wring every single last penny out of you after you bought a $60 game. That's kind of what they're fighting against in this. Except in modern day analog, it's really hard to fight against these ridiculously huge companies that are insisting on breaking their games to make more money off of you. So that's that's kind of a little painful. Um, I liked one thing that I I really caught on this is that Halliday had issues. It wasn't clear if he was born with issues as a savant, but he had definite social kind of like an autistic type thing. Maybe. Kind of, yeah. I I wasn't going to degree you know, of it. It was. But... I'm kind of glad they didn't really delve into that. They 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 a lot of these movies when they have they try to portray somebody who is who has some kind of issues that they're going through like that, they'll they'll try to analyze that and unpack it. And they didn't. They treated the character respectfully, mm-hmm. and they didn't devolve into, you know, he's a genius, and they acknowledged that. And as th- things went on, they started kind of unpacking what was important to him in a way because he didn't think the way that most other people did. And the entire challenge was a very kind of a sentimental thing that nobody else really got except when they got this insight into the, the Halliday character, which I thought was really kind of a cool... Uh, way of dealing and treating with, uh, you know, kind of a, a thorny issue to step into. Yeah. Especially since it was so central to the, the plot of the movie. I, I don't think you, yeah, you didn't need to go delve deep into the psychology of the character. You just, given the, the, the way it was written and the way it was performed. But you know, a lot of movies would have done that. Artsy, fartsy movies would have. Yeah. They, in fact, they would they would advertise the movie as you know this whole big Ready Player One all this stuff and then you go in and you and you see it's a psychology study of the character, so um, yeah you know his date movie list I really found bad no it wasn't necessarily his date movie list it was the list of movies for whatever and there was my other reference that they threw in there before they decided it was the shining you know they talked about oh hey look the fly from 86 uh, i don't think you'd watch that with a date or whatever she said well that's <laughs> too, too probably gruesome, true too gruesome for a date and it's like who fly reference all right well, when you watch a gruesome movie on a date, you get cuddle time. He probably wouldn't have Not appreciated that, that. Not that one. I think that one you get like pubuck a time or something. Possibly so. Uh, but yeah, the in that video playback memory stuff, the curator would mm-hmm. show people. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that stuff was probably just was it re-recorded or not re-recorded, but like like designed what like for the the museum, I believe, wasn't it? Or, or did they actually talk well, about you, cameras? They everywhere? they didn't talk about it, but it ha- kind of had to be that way if they were faithful representations of what happened. Unless Halliday took a ridiculous amount of time to exactly recreate things as they'd happened, you kind of assume that he had cameras on him all the time to record all of that stuff. There's really no other way to think about it than I can think of. Well, and then, and then again, who knows what his like savant type thing was. Maybe he has really good memory, so he was able to do all that stuff. If that's the case, then one of the assumptions that you have to make is that he jacked his own brain into the Oasis to dump all of that data. 
which then makes you think that the Halliday makes you think that the Halliday character that Wade ends up meeting late Mm -hmm. in the end, he asks, wait a minute, you're not an avatar. No, I'm not an avatar. Is he the ghost in the shell that's wandering around his own creation? It's an interesting thought. That was the thought that I was kind of left with is like, yeah, I I don't know if this is a program or if he's actually still plugged into the machine. And that's what's fun about it is I think he is. And and I do believe the book, and I I could be wrong about this, I do believe the book does not answer that either. And I think the the author does want to make a follow-up which would make an excellent story for the follow-up and then in that follow-up then you could delve deep into his psychology you could but i don't want to i don't i don't think that's necessary i think you could easily take this world these characters if you wanted to or you could you know advance in the future Mm -hmm. to something else that'll threaten oasis or you know there's 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 a lot that you could do if you wanted to yeah um hackers sure absolutely but you know you have to believe that something like this is pretty hacker proof again perhaps unrealistically Uh, so but uh, no, you know you, you have to buy hackers. cheats remember they had that all worked in you you could buy the cheats to to oh, hack their own gosh, game. in games today you can buy crap from like that that's true um you want more gems just give us twenty dollars you can have five gems cool that makes me ill um let's see i liked the fact that everything they did was on an appropriate scale when they had a race you could have had you know some mario kart style race but their race was racing against tyrannosauruses and freaking king kong (laughs) that was cool something that you could only do in virtual reality or a holodeck we'll go back to holodecks at some point again yeah but that idea that you if you're going to do something like this you don't you know you don't cheap out on it you do something um which again when we get to the shining we see spielberg's take on kubrick's work which is kind of had to be kind of weird well a little bit spielberg and kubrick have always had a, a very uh good relationship with each other and to the point where uh when kubrick died uh, he was trying to make AI, the artificial intelligence movie. Oh. Kubrick has been trying to make that for years. And Spielberg's love letter to Kubrick was he finished that movie for him. He, t- he took over and made it. And um, I mean, to me, it's still a, a Spielberg movie. It's got all the Spielberg type stuff. But in interviews, Spielberg claimed that he tried channeling what Kubrick would do. And mm. uh, in, in my opinion, the movie kind of ends too much on a. Ha- what, what does that movie end in a happy note, sad note? I don't know. AI. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a downer, but maybe it's not. I don't know. The point is, the robot kid died happily, or did he die? He didn't die. I don't know. So maybe he did channel uh, Kubrick and kind of left it into a weird downer ending. <laughs> so there you go. I still can't decide how 2001 A Space Odyssey, despite the fact I've seen it a couple of times. Oh, I'm you still watched, not sure how that ended. You've watched that at my house that one time. I watched it one time at your house. Yeah. I've watched it other times, but it's still the ending is weird and bizarre. Never mind that ending. You know, what's the one thing everyone always talks about today with big budget movies and special effects? They're always like, oh, there they go again, just showing off the effects. Oh, just make it about the characters and not the effects. And uh, the effects. 2001 A Space Odyssey showed off their effects more than a movie does today i think because when they showed some of those spaceship scenes in 2001 he stayed on it for a long time slow shots the ship coming in slow and i'm like well yeah but that's not like showing off a flashy effect that's pure dedication to 
getting a scene and 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 conveying something. Some of those scenes dragged out. I yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. It was a tough, it was a hard movie to watch. Honestly. It's one of those strange movies. It's good, but yet it's hard to watch. Now that would have been cool if Ready Player One did a 2001 thing too. Yeah, it would have been cool, but yeah. Oh well, they could have packed everything into it. Uh, the Shining huh? was still good. The, the Shining was excellent. To the point where I want to watch that movie again. And it, and it was on Netflix. And I, I don't know if it still is now. I, I missed my chance. Maybe. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and that was cool. I'm glad that they did not have Percival win all of them. I'm glad Artemis got a chance to win Mm -hmm. one of them. That was cool. Um, the final, the final battle, letting all five of the, the, the characters have their moment where I can't remember his name, not Shao, the other one, Takashi or Dato or Tashiro. I am. But anyhow, he, he, uh, he's. He's flying around in an original Gundam, which if you're not an anime fan, it's a cool mech suit. Um, and in the anime, it's extremely powerful. And he takes on Serrano in a Mecha Godzilla battlesuit. And it's an epic fight. I mean, yeah, Serrano has it's probably the most powerful thing in the game because he can afford it. But he gets a you know number of good looks in. It looks like a pretty compelling fight for the most part. Um, you know, it was excellent. Um, those it was nice to see everybody participating. Uh, H and the Iron Giant mech suit. Um, these are the kind of things that really kind of it makes you wonder what Artemis could have pulled out if she hadn't been uh, the inside agent at the one on one headquarters after having been in their loyalty center. Hmm. Let me take a guess. What has she? Well, you know, I I. Because she's into aliens, because she had the chest burster thing, she would have had the power loader. Nah, I think she would have had something a bit bigger and cooler. Uh, power loader with, like, awesome guns. There you go. Um, so, you know, that the that ending battle, probably alone, uh, you could probably dissect all of the Easter eggs and callbacks and things like that. It was uh, It was pretty epic. Um, I had a hard time writing anything down there, because I was just watching it, and all just... Yeah, that was good. The movie was well put together and, and, and unfortunately it did it did good worldwide it did over 500 million worldwide that's that's stable that's fair i know people want to think the big super movies make you know a billion dollars and that's what makes it a success look they look at these things worldwide now and i think that's a satisfying number for it However, in, in terms of the United States box office, it didn't do that great. But this is what's fascinating. Where it's, what was it running up against, though? <laughs> That's the point. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that came out this last year in 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look back at 1984, when we really looked at like Police Academy, where Police Academy stood at the time, mm-hmm. it, it's there weren't as many movies coming out. Whereas the movies now, there's like one every week, one right after the other, after the other, after the other. And there's like almost no time for this stuff it came out in april of last year but for 2018 it finished off with the 24th movie of the year um right in you know right in front of it is oceans eight and right behind it was bumblebee which actually i'm kind of surprised i thought that would have done better but eh, whatever well bumblebee wasn't one of the big mainline transformer movies and i think a lot of people had burned out of the transformer michael bay movies and th- you know what's ironic is bumblebee was really good <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. But it 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 kind of still had the stink about some of those earlier movies yep. and and what people didn't Michael like about Bay. those. I didn't see it. Um, it's I mean yeah I mean Black Panther came out in February that was still doing oh, hot yeah. by the time that came out. Then you had Avengers: Infinity War, Incredibles two, Jurassic World, which I'm going to be honest with you, it's only even though I like Jurassic World: The Fallen Kingdom, uh, or, or really Jurassic World: The Mansion Attack, you know they're still fun to watch. Uh, whatever they're they're okay. 
I mean, then you had Aquaman come out. You had Deadpool 2, Dr. Seuss is the Grinch. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, Mission Impossible, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, We're Star is Born, that one soon too. popular, Solo, Venom, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Ralph Breaks the Internet was pretty good. A Quiet Place, Crazy Rich Asians, Mary Poppins Returns. I mean, look, that's just a lot of stuff. Mary Poppins Returns was okay. Lots of stuff here. I mean, and those are all before Ready Player One. Correct. Which, to be fair, even though it's Spielberg, this was a recreation of a book that was probably cult classic-ish more so than, you know, a huge blockbuster. So yeah, people don't, I don't know, they don't think people watch movies that are based off books as much. It's a lot easier to plug into the latest Marvelverse movie or something like that. And we know that Endgame is going to shatter every record in the box office. Yeah. We're in the shadow of, of Disney and Disney and Marvel right now. <laughs> That's Disney, how it is. Disney owns everything. They Disney well, plus, they're Disney but plus. but you know, I don't have a problem with that because they take care of their stuff, and I'm it's gonna be an amazing movie. Oh, somebody's gonna beat you up for that. Let them come. Those Star Wars, they're ruining Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. Uh and you know, those movies were just the ones that were in front of Ready Player One. I mean <laughs> Creed 2, uh well, Wrinkle in Time was a flop, and but there was a Fifty Shades movie that came out last year. I didn't really? know. So those, see, hmm. you know what's fascinating? Talking about those Fifty Shades of Grey. I remember when that first one came out, all of the girls and women at work were all like, ah, Fifty Shades of Grey, ah! And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, you guys would call us perverts if we accidentally look at a naughty picture or something, but then you guys are watching this movie. Okay. Because it wasn't okay. axed. They're, they're, it's it's titillation without the actual... Pretty graphic, though. And, and, the, and the guy is not the kind of guy you want your 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 uh, sisters and mothers and daughters to date. That was a creepy Are you talking about the action or the, the actor, or are you talking about the character in the movie? The character. Oh, God, no. Like the, the, the actor. Is... I don't, I'm not familiar with the actor. I'm sure he's a fine actor. But the point <laughs> is... Those were huge. They were they were talking about like, oh, we're just gonna. But wasn't make there them. a pretty massive drop off after the first? I think one part two came out. It just because if you so, think about it, when this when uh, the reputation of the movie three, got butts into the seats for the first one, right. but I think the because they couldn't one, show everything, the second one started declining, and then the third one. We think about the third one comes out during that highly. You know, whatever way you think about it, Me Too movement, and that could have been turned off too. Could have been, could have been. All I can think of was I don't remember the show that did it, but they had Gilbert Godfrey doing readings from Fifty Shades of Grey, and oh my gosh, <laughs> it was horrible, so horrible. So yeah, I could never, I could never watch that now. But yeah, I mean, but that just gives you an example, like like how movies are released today. There's oh. just so many of them coming at you. And as much as I wanted to go see Dumbo, I didn't get to it. And unfortunately, it's past the point of no return for me. I'll just wait for it to come out yep. and uh, go to Endgame. Yeah. Which by the time you get, by the time this audio is released, I would have seen Endgame and probably would like it. But I'm betting you will, Dave. But I say that when I was a kid, I was gonna love Batman and Robin. That was gonna be the best <laughs> Batman movie 
ever. There's a big stoked. difference. There's a, a night and day difference between Batman and Robin versus Batman Returns and Batman and the yeah. Adventures family. <laughs> you're you're keeping you're keeping the direction. You're keeping the actors. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. yeah there's. Yeah. I, I. You know. Either way, but yeah. It's just it's just one right after the other after the other to the point that I don't even know what's coming out next. Maybe Godzilla King of the Monsters. But if I get to it, I get to it. If not, well, you know what, Rob? You know, I'm probably going to watch the old Japanese version before it got altered for an American audience. But, um, so we, we got over the movie, talked about the things that interested us. So all in all, Dave, that magical time where we, we rate the sucker. Um, would you like to do the honors and go first? Mm, I got to think here. What would I give it? Okay, I will. I will go first then. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will. I would rate this movie a nine. Uh, because uh, it was very good. It was very entertaining. It didn't have a lot of holes. There's nothing that really caused me to wail and gnash my teeth. Um, a little bit of the plot seemed a little Deus Ex Machina. Yes, of course, this guy figured it out because, of course, he would. But that's it was based off of a book. That's how writers write their way through a solution. Any characters, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't painful. I like the character development. The characters were not flat and two dimensional. Mm -hmm. Um, H had a nice surprise. Yeah, H had a nice surprise. Although I kind of expected some of it. How do you say that? It was a surprise. But I mean, but if you don't follow actors or actresses, you probably figure it out, but or not figure it out. But but you know, ironically, she's the one that was bringing up a point. You don't know if you're talking to a guy or a girl or whatever. He's a three hundred pound guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah, that was very good. Um, the the CG was excellent where it was supposed to be excellent. They built a great world. It was compelling and believable. That's that's what you want in something like this. Um, they did not skimp on anything in this movie. It was lavishly full of detail, references, callbacks, and it was all treated very respectfully and, and very well done. Um, there was nothing that I really had any 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 problems with. It was it was very 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 good. What would have pushed it over the top again? Um, slight dip on Serrano. I think a little bit more compelling, you know, direction in him. Um, the the end resolution with Serrano uh, getting a gun and going out it just, that didn't kind of really yeah, work that, for the that, manipulator character. Right, it, uh, I agree with that. The That's... reaction from everybody as he's walking slowly with a gun in the air didn't didn't really make a lot of sense. It was kind of contrived, that but just... that was so minor. Yeah, that was just probably to make him look to be more remember he's the bad guy so he's got to like do his bad guy thing before he gives up which you know as far as the character was i I really enjoyed the character yeah but you're right that that part at the end just his character would have run and hid behind lawyers yeah theoretically um so yeah there was there was some very very minor points but other than that uh, I thought it was an excellent movie, an excellent treatment of the work. Um, it was a treat for anybody who got the references. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, I was before you said it, I was actually wrestling with nine. I mean, I think ten would be too high, and anything in the eight range would be too low. It, it was enjoyable to watch. The references were great. Uh, again, the thing that 
you can you sometimes you just fault movies for this but the the situations like where of course certain things happen for the character or whatever but sometimes it's just hard to escape and, yes and that's how that goes it's i find that it just he went to i'm sure somebody somewhere out there all these hardcore gamers we see hardcore gamers do this all the time I'm sure someone would have figured out, hey, what happens if I drive backwards? I'm sure somebody would have figured that out, especially for as many years as they've been doing that. The one reason why they wouldn't is you have to remember the drawbacks to dying. You lose everything and have to start over again. So you get your best car to give you a chance at this race. The thought of driving backwards and smashing it and losing thousands of these coins, that's probably why. Even though King Kong comes out and bam. The dream of being that one person who gets by him. Yeah. Still, um... But you know, nine's a fair, fair bet. It's well produced, pretty good, good return to form for Spielberg, the fantasy element stuff. So it was good. Yes, excellent. So uh, we love this movie. Highly recommended. Anything else, Dave? Otherwise, no. I think we are ready to uh, thank you for listening to us again. Uh, we will be, uh, fetching you another, uh, hot take on another movie soon and possibly another topic or many topics as we do. Um, so in order to get that, make sure that you subscribe and like us. We, we always appreciate it. Kind comments are appreciated. Uh, but from me, Rob and Dave, we can't wait till the next time that you catch us back to the podcast. Thank you very much.